night. It was our united night. It was the uh, the big reveal of uh, our church land uh, journey of where we're up to right now. And I just want to bring you up to speed if you weren't able to be here Wednesday night. Uh, it is on YouTube, the, the whole recording. And I encourage you, if you're a member of this church, go to YouTube, Google C3 Kiwana Waters. Uh, it'll be there. And it's really not just where the land is. I'm going to tell you that now. But it's the whole journey of what God's been speaking to us about over the last five years. And if you're a member of our church, I'd love you. Come on this journey. You will get blessed in the process of, of coming on this journey. But what I just let the church know uh, at United on Wednesday night is we have made a decision as a board to sell our Rainforest Drive property. And so that's, this week that's been listed. And uh, we're, Russell is doing that on our behalf. Uh, Ian Dimon is working with, with him and a town planner in terms of the best zoning to get the maximum price that we can get for the sale of, of that land. Uh, and then we announced that the piece of land that we found that we believe that God has for us through a number of different God incidences, we call it coincidences that God's ordained, uh, is a, a piece of land in Power Road. So if we can just put the first one up on the board, I just want to show you where it is. It's north of here, about seven minutes and uh, it's near the university. If we can go out one to the, the first one, that's it. So if you look up here, this is over here is the Bruce Highway. Here's Chancellor Park and the Sunshine Coast Uni. That road going through the middle is the Sunshine Motorway that goes into Malulabar. That road up there is Dixon Road. And so you would come off the, off the Sunshine Motorway and go around Dixon Road and curl around to Power Road. And there's two pieces of land there. The council's just resumed some land in the middle. Uh, they've resumed it to put a connecting road through there where the blue line in the middle is. The front piece of land is zoned for medium re residential uh, townhouses for university accommodation. And so that's, that's the front piece of land. The back piece of land uh, has a very minimal zoning at the moment. We would need to get it rezoned. And so we've, made, we've agreed as a board and executive team, uh, we've submitted an offer for to buy the whole lot of this. Our plan would be we would buy the whole lot. Uh, we would do some work to develop the front in terms of preliminary architectural planning work and then sell that and out of that to build our facilities at the back. The miracle is that they really do not want to sell to us. In the owners' minds, there's two owners, in their minds, they have prices locked in that are based on about 2035 in their minds. That'd be about right, Russ, they're just years ahead. And so we've had that land valued and the, the offer we're making is as to the value of the land for both pieces of land. Okay, so what we're doing is we're praying and we're believing that God will work a miracle. So we're at this point where they basically said to us, if you offered us twice, we wouldn't take it, that eight million um, or, or on the back as well. So where we're at right now is, uh, is believing God. Okay, who's got it? That's the power road. We'll pull that down now because I can just see you all staring in. All right. Let's come back now. Okay, we're back. We're back. So when I say we're moving from the premier years to the power years, how cool does that sound? That's Power Road. It might not ultimately be Power Road with that, that road, but anyway. But so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, this is a journey of faith that God has spoken to us about based on a range of promises of God and also the wisdom and using wisdom as a board. And so what, when we announced this, go check it all out, but that morning God spoke to me and said, uh, learn a lesson from the unjust judge. It's, he said it was teaching him how to pray. He said, even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people? Who's his chosen people? That's us. Okay, he'll give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night. Say day and night. Will he keep putting them off? No more delays. I tell you, he will grant justice to them 
quickly. Everybody say quickly. One of my favorite Bible words, along with immediately. Uh, but when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? So God is a rewarder of faith when he comes with an answer. When I read that, it spoke to me because I've been saying, God, what's, gonna, what's our corporate prayer strategy going to be for this piece of land? We've spent two years where every day someone in our church was fasting. Every day, and more than one, multiple people. We've had all nights of prayer. We've driven around the coast. See, God responds to those who diligently seek Him, and He loves faith. So I said, Lord, what's the plan? And I really felt like God said uh, that verse, those who cry out day and night. So we're going to have a seven-day, 24-7 prayer meeting, okay? Uh, what that means is someone from our church will be praying every hour of the day, from, uh, and we're going to kick it off on Monday, uh, August the 7th, okay? In a couple of weeks' time, we're going to have something here where you can say, I'll pray for this hour. I'll pray, I'll pray during that hour. You can put your name up on a board. And so over a seven-day period, there's going to be continuous prayer in our church. We'll get some the scriptures that we're reminding God of His promises. There'll be continuous prayer, reminding God of His promises for seven days, like they walked around Jericho for seven days. And then the walls literally fell down with them doing nothing. So if God can get walls to fall down, he can change the hearts of some owners and he can sell some land. Who, who believes me today? So we're going to do that. So stay tuned. I reckon God, God just loves it when the church goes, come on, we're believing together for something amazing. And then here's the great thing. The journey will also helps all of us individually learn how to walk the journey of faith for the promises God's got for us individually. And I believe this, when you make God's house your priority, it spills over, cascades down into your personal life, the personal victories that you want. So that's the way God says, make the church your focus and I will bless your world at the same time. So that's where we are. I can't wait to hear of the miracles that are going to happen in people's lives in this journey. Lots of people are going to get houses. Lots of people are going to break through into new levels in all sorts of realms in our lives. So come on, give the Lord a clap. That's us. We'll finish up on a power-packed Sunday. Uh, so Monday through to Sunday night, which will be fantastic. I just want to also just mention next week, as we're coming to next week with, with Graham and Pat Fletcher coming over here, uh, for Danielle and I have a rich history with Graham and Pat. Many of you may not be aware of this. We, were, we used to go to a conference once a year, a bit like a presence or like our launch. And at that conference, Graham was the kids pastor with his wife, Pat. So Dan and I, I was from Victoria, Danielle lived where that conference, the church she went to was the host church, but when, when both of us were around seven years old, we both got prayed for by Pat, different time, by Pat Fletcher, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to speak in tongues when they were the kids, kids pastors at this conference, okay? So this, this goes back, Graham at these conferences as a 19-year-old used to lead the worship at these conferences. And now back in the day when it was cool to have a banjo, he led on a banjo, all right? Stay with me right now. Don't go thinking deliverance, all right? He led on a banjo. And he will, I would sit there in this conference and he was my hero. In fact, I went home and I bought a little banjo mandolin, this tiny little banjo mandolin, and I would listen to him worship lead and I would strum along and sing. He was my hero. And it's, you know, the Bible says it's the godly in the land will be my heroes. He was my hero. Then as a teenager, he became my youth leader. 
okay, and as it probably he would have been around 30 or something, so as a teenager, he became my youth leader. I remember a moment in my kitchen where my mum said, what do, you, what do you want to do in the future? I remember saying, oh, I'd love to be, in those days you used the expression, not mentored by, but you'd say, I'd like to be a Timothy too, okay, in our church setting, like Paul mentored Timothy. So I said, I would love to be a Timothy too. Now, in those days, we called him Brother Graham, okay, I'd like to be a Timothy to Brother Graham. Don't call him that, he'll kill you, okay. Call him Fletch. As much as we'd call Shorty, Shorty. Uh, we don't call him Pastor Allen. We call him Shorty. Call Fletch, Fletch. That will really release him, and he'll be happy about that, okay? So, but I said, I'd love to be a Timothy to Fletch. And I'm, oh, wow, really? Then I moved to Victoria away from this church that he was in, and he led a church through a, a major crisis period. And he came to Victoria down this and visited my boss in this workplace. And I remember this conversation. He just made this throwaway line. I'm going to the coast to start a church. Why don't you come and be my youth pastor? And it just, it just hit me. You know how sometimes the statements from God just, it just got locked into my heart. But Danielle's parents and my parents moved to the, to the coast from Toowoomba to be part of this, the beginning of this church that was to become known as Way of the Sea. And I moved from Victoria to here and our parents were, were very involved. My dad was on the, the board in those days. Uh, Dan's mum and dad were, were kind of hosts at the door. And so we began this journey of the church plant that goes way, way, way back many, many years ago of this connection with them. And so they, they are really incredibly humble people. They will be humbled. They're already humbled by the concept of coming over here next Sunday. Uh, it, it will, for them, it's slightly awkward, but I, this is what I want us to do. As they come here, they, they began this church with a young family when they were about 40 years old. Uh, they started from scratch. The coast had a lot of little churches that were splitting. It was a tough environment to start a church. And they started this church, and over the next eight years, they broke through a spirit, this, in the spiritual realm. They began, they put things in the values and, and the vision of this church, things like outreach and soul winning, things like prayer, things like a passion for the, for the lost. That, those culture, a, a passion to reach the community, they, they didn't come from us, they came from them when they sowed this church according to God's plan. So I want next Sunday to be like embarrassingly over the top honoring for them. Not to embarrass, but I just want them to go away feeling so loved and so honored uh, next Sunday, okay? I want us to appreciate them. I want you to go up and say hi to them. I want you to, you know, when in the car park, you might not know them, um, but, but just go up and say, hey, I got saved in this church or my life's been changed. Thank you for your obedience. I want them to be overwhelmed with our love next week. Is that okay? All right. I'm just holding myself together. Got a little bit emotional there. That's okay. That's okay. So this morning, this is what I want to do. I want to uh, preach into that, but also just a culture for our church, and it's a culture of honor. A culture of honor, something that to me is very, very powerful and important for us. You'll find, I looked this up during the week in the NLT, I uh, looked up the word honor, it appears 365 times in the NLT, which is one for every day, all right, one, one. And so the Bible presents a range of different cultures or ways of doing things or attitudes that attract God's favor and blessing. Faith is something that attracts God's favor and blessing. Prayer is something that attracts God's favor and blessing. And honor is one of those things. And this morning, I want to have a look into this by looking at Mark chapter 6, verses 4 to 6. And I want us to understand that, that honor is something that attracts God's favor and has its own reward in it. It has its own reward. And so Jesus uh, tells us, in Mark chapter 6, verse 4, Jesus told them, he, he went to the town where he grew up. He went to the area of Nazareth. 
And it says this, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown, Jesus said, and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except he placed his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. He was amazed at their unbelief. Jesus, the Son of God, went to his hometown, to the area that he grew up, the kids that he played football with, the kids that, you know, the, the people whose, whose um, chairs and tables that he built as a carpenter, they knew him as Joseph and Mary's son. They knew his brothers and sisters. They knew where he grew up. And when he came to that town, they, they, were, they were unable, the Bible says, they did not honor him. They did not put esteem or value on him, but they treated him as normal and as common. And because of that, the Bible tells us that Jesus, wasn't, it wasn't that he didn't do any miracles. It wasn't that he chose not to. He didn't go, well, stuff you punks. Yeah, you're all mean to me when I was a kid. And he didn't go, oh, you don't believe in me. So I, the Bible says he could not do any miracles for them because of the honor or the value that they placed on him. I want to just I want to unpack this a little bit. The word honor in the in the New Testament comes from a Greek word, timaeo. And what that literally was talking about, it was a it was re- reference to a weightiness. And it, what, what it was in those days when you had a shekel or a coin, the value of the coin wasn't determined like we have a 10, a 5, you know, all that. It was determined on the weight of that shekel. So they would weigh it, and however weighty it was, because of it was whatever the, the gold or whatever it was made out of, would determine how valuable that coin was. So the word honor is really, it's that word of where you would weigh the coin to put a certain weight or value on it. And so as you put a certain weight or value on it, then you would get the reward of that weight and value. And this is the way it works with God. God, here's here's the the essential thought. God positions people in our life, okay, God positions them, and then we choose to either treat them with esteem and honor, or we treat them as common without honor or dishonor, and then God rewards us, God rewards us according to the honor or dishonor that we give. Are you with me this morning? So therefore, when Jesus goes along, they put a value on Jesus as the neighborhood guy. And therefore, the reward that they got from Jesus was the reward that, of the value they attached to him. They attached a value that he was, he was just the kid from down the road. He was from this, he was the, the local bloke. Oh, he's Jesus. I knew Jesus. I grew up with him, mate. Come on, Jesus, come on over to my house. I hear you're doing all these miracles. Well, I remember you with your runny nose. And they esteemed him or put honor or value on him at one of the local blokes. And therefore, the value they placed on him determined how God could reward them. It wasn't what he could do. It wasn't his position or his... Now, if they valued him as the son of God and treated him with honor, then they would have received from God the reward of him being the son of God with miracles in his life. But they didn't. They valued him at this level. They put this honor. And so therefore... And you know, let's be real. It could have been pretty awkward. 
Because Jesus comes to the synagogue and preaches and he says, you know, there's a Messiah coming, the local synagogue, there's a Messiah coming. And they're like, yep, yep, there's a Messiah coming. All agree, nothing new there. And then he says, and I'm the Messiah. And then they go, what? They're expecting a Messiah, but they're expecting a Messiah to come like a king because the Bible said the government will be on his shoulders. They're expecting him to come with, with, you know, horses and chariots and military power, and he was going to come a certain way. But Jesus rocks up with a group of prostitutes who are following him and the mafia of the day, the tax collectors. And they're like, no, 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 no. That's not what the Messiah is going to look like. I don't like the packaging. Therefore, they made a decision about Christ based on his, the packaging and the way he looked, and they missed the reward that was available to all of them. The Pharisees had the same thing. They were all teachers of the law. They were in a room one day with Jesus. The Bible says the power of God was present there to heal. Every one of them could have been healed. Every one of them. Jesus, the power of God and who Jesus was has the capacity for healing to come into their life. But the Bible says that they were perceiving in their hearts. They were thinking about him. Who does he think he is? Who does he think he is? Is he better than us? And, and And because of the perception in their hearts of him, although the power of God was there and he was the son of God, they did not receive that reward because of the value or honor that they placed on him. Someone comes through the roof with faith in their heart towards him. They receive the miracle that was available for everybody, but it was based on their value. So you realize, okay, this is, this is a Bible principle. And when you begin to read the Bible 365 times, this is a theme that goes right through the Bible, that God positions people in our life, not necessarily in the packaging that we'd like, not necessarily the way we would have chosen those people, but he positions them in our life. And then he calls us to honor or esteem or value them, not based on their performance, but based on their position. And then he says, so not whether they're honorable or not, just because of who he's put in that position. And then he says, if you honor them, regardless of whether they merit it or not, but because of God's positioning of them in your life, what you will find is God will reward you. Esteem them, honor them, and you will find the reward comes from God. So this, this goes right through the Bible. It goes all the way. You, you go right back to the, the Ten Commandments listed in the order of importance. And you'd go, oh, okay, don't murder. That'd be pretty high up there. Eh, six, seven, that, no adultery, that same sort of zone. Yeah. What, what's before not murdering? Number five, honor your father and your mother that it may be well with you, that you may live a long life. You go, no way, God, honoring my mom and my dad is more important to you than not murdering? What the heck is that all about? That's because God positions people in our life who are representatives of him, that he wants us to honor as a representative of him, and, the, and how we do that determines blessing. That's the first, if you look at in, uh, where are we? Let me come down here. I'm skipping all over my notes. That The Bible says that's the first promise or the first commandment with a promise. You go, well, you don't know my mom and dad. They're terrible to me. They were never honorable. They don't deserve being honored. This is the issue that we have to understand about honor. The issue of honor is not whether people deserve it or not. 
It's recognizing the position that God has placed them in. And, and it's not, oh, I'm, I'm going to honor my mom and dad so they're nice to me. No, no, no. I'm going to honor my mom and dad so God's nice to me. I'm not going to honor my boss so that I get a bonus. I'm going to honor my boss so that God rewards me. I'm not going to honor my school teacher or my headmaster so that I'll get favored and get picked and, and, and I'll manipulate my way to a certain place. My motive is not that. I'm going to honor them because they represent God in a position of authority. And if I honor them, even if I'm mistreated, God will honor me. Let's just look at some scriptures to get this whole thought uh, flowing through. The, let, let's, let's just talk about, well, how do you honor, firstly? How do you honor? You honor, essentially, there's a few different ways, but you honor uh, primarily with the thoughts of the heart. Because the Bible says that you, about God's people, it says, oh, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. You're saying empty words that you don't believe in your heart. So God says, honor starts in the heart. It's primarily the thoughts of your heart. So the way that we honor the Lord, and this is ultimately, it all comes out of this, out of honoring the Lord. We're honor God, we're exalting Him, we're lifting Him up, we're honoring Him, okay? So that starts in our heart, then it goes, it goes forward, and it's, it's our words. Psalm 66, 1 and 2 says, Make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. Sing out the honor of His name. Make His praise glorious. When you and I come to church, our attitude is not, Well, Lord, did you a favor, came to church this week, hope you're happy. It's, no, 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 no. I esteem you, God. I value you. I pu I'm putting you above sleeping in. I'm putting you above the beach. I'm putting you above ivies. I'm esteeming you at the highest level, God. And when I come into worship, although I'm tired, you deserve honor. You would, if you got invited to see the queen, you wouldn't just wander and go, hey, how you going? There's a protocol. There's a procedure, and it's because of the honor of the office of her representing God for us in that realm. And so when you come into church, I lift my hands and go, God, although I don't feel like it right now, I honor you. I esteem you. I worship you. I lift you up. That's My words do that. So my words bring honor. So you, you, you honor with your thoughts. You honor with your words. Uh, you honor with, with giving. So it's not just enough in terms of to have um, words and heart. Uh, the Bible tells us this, Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord, how? With your possessions. The first fruits of all of your increase. The tithe is an honor. When I bring my tithe to God and say, I've had increase and the first tenth is yours, I'm honoring it with you. Here's the thing. Then blessing comes from God. He's like, I'm looking for you. If you have a culture of honor around your life, then I will reward you. And this is what he says, the reward of, of blessing God with your tithe is your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. When we learn to esteem the things that need to be esteemed and honor the things that should be honored, God will reward us. He'll reward you in your finances. Okay, so, so how, who, who do we honor then? All right, if we go, that's how you honor. You honor with your words. You honor with your thoughts. You honor with your, your finances. You honor with your time. Who? Who, who do we honor? And the Bible's very clear on this. The first one, 1 Peter 2 verse 17, outside of God. Can I just say, by the way, before I get to that, that when God gives you a promise, when God gives you a scripture, then that's, that's God speaking to us. You can choose to either honor or dishonor that word. 
So if you elevate the word that God gives you as a promise from, you can either go, oh, nice, nice scripture, thanks God, yep, yep, yep. But if you elevate the word and say, hang on, that's a promise from God, that's got power in it, I'm going to keep lifting up that word, I'm going to keep elevating that promise, I'm going to keep lifting it over my life, I'm going to believe that over my circumstances, I'm going to speak that over my life, you will get the reward of elevating that promise. If you go, oh, just another promise from God. If you go, yeah, I know he says that by his stripes we're healed, but I'm not elevating that. If you're like, well, no, it's not happening to me. If you don't elevate or honor the word of God, you will get the reward of how you treat that word. That was good preaching right there. That was just a little bonus. Good preaching thought right there. Elevate the word, you'll get the honor of that word. All right. So here's the first thing. 1 Peter 2 verse 17, it says, honor all people. Everybody on this planet is made in the image of God. All of us have a reflection of God. So honor, honor is not just people in authority. Honor is the way we treat everybody. I pray that our church would always have a culture of honor so that whoever walks through the doors of this church from high or low circumstances, rich or poor, whether they've got it all together or everything's messed up, that they will be treated with respect, that they will be looked in the eyes and they will be welcomed and loved and invited into the house of God, invited into the family of God. They will be treated like, like they, the, the, with the honor that they deserve, not, not that they maybe they've earned but the honor that they deserve because they're people made in the image of God see we, we, we've got a dog who thinks he's a person can I just tell you rocket our dog he, he's really a dog trapped in a cat's body let's just be honest okay and he's a little bit it's a little bit embarrassing to walk in because he's not kind of a, if it's anyway well rocket thinks he's a human being he does he he gets to come inside if I, I hop off my bed in the morning and if Dan's still there, he'll just jump up beside, beside it and he takes my spot. He thinks he's human. He'll, he'll, sometimes he'll lie on my pillow as if he's me. I'm like, hang on a minute, buddy. This is my house. You think you're the ruler of the house. He's a precious little, little animal who he doesn't like to get his feet wet. He's, he, you know, he, he wears a little jumper that my daughter bought for him. It's, it's kind of embarrassing, okay? But can I tell you, Rocket does not get the honor of the lowest person on the planet because people are created in the image of God. Animals aren't. Animals are important, can we just say, by the, by the way, but the, the life of a human being is way above the life of any other created being on the planet. It doesn't mean we're cruel to animals, but we must put value and respect on human life, on the life of human beings made in the image of God, treated with dignity. Treated with respect. Okay, who else do we honor? Here's a couple of other little bonus ones. Uh, 1 Peter 3 verse 7, in the same way as your husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are. Okay, you might be able to beat her in an arm wrestle. Or not, which is embarrassing, but you might be able to. But she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life when you got born again as a human as a human being and a spiritual being you have equal standing before God husbands it says treat her as you should treat her with honor so your prayers will not be hindered every component of honor has a reward from God attached honor your wife treat her well look out thoughts words gifts treat her well 
And you'll find that God rewards and answers your prayers and all the women said. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not repeating that. Get the podcast later on, okay. Ladies, you're awesome. We love you. We love you. Okay, who else do we honor? Okay, here, let's just have a look. We've got time for a couple more. Uh, 1 Peter 2, verse 13 in the NASB says this, Submit yourselves for God's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. And as free men, do not use your freedom as covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Okay, there's this theme. God positions people in our life as representatives of him. So the neighbor who moved in beside you is made in the image of God, their representative of him. That annoying person at work right now is made in the image of God and needs to be treated with honor. That, that, that kid in your class who you're finding it difficult to get along with needs to be treated with honor. And when you do that, they might not change, but God notices and God rewards you. Okay, so, so the authority component. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, but not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. Your boss needs to be honored. Why? If they're reasonable? No, no. Because they're in a position that God, you might not like the packaging. It might not be the way you'd like things to be done. But if you honor them because of the position of authority God's placed them in, you'll find this. You'll find that God will reward you. It goes on, it says this, for this finds favor with God. If you do what is right, last verse, for if you do what is right and suffer for it patiently, endure it, it finds favor with God. Bible says about our parents, it will be well with you if you honor them. What do you mean well? You'll be successful. Your life will be long. Your cells are made up with the DNA of your parents. Every time you speak against them and speak against who they are, you're speaking against yourself. Your life will be shortened by the way that we speak of our parents. We honor those who God places in positions around our life and we find that God rewards us. God elevates us. God looks after us. God does that. So for, for us, as we come to this uh, next week, Sunday, I want us to honor the Fletchers for what they've done. In fact, I'd like to today, because I don't want to do it next week, I'd like to today receive up a love offering for them. I want them as they come. We're, we're paying for them to come to stay on the coast for five or six days. I, I want us to, to, to express honor to them so that we can give them a great honorarium when they come and not do it next Sunday morning. Uh, we, we will Sunday night. Fletcher's going to preach on the Sunday night. He's a great prophet, a great a Holy Ghost man. You'll love it. Come, come next week. But, but I want us in, in a few minutes, I want us just to receive up an honorarium. This is where the Bible talks about. The Bible says that those who preach the word of God and who lead well are, are worthy of double honor, literally double finances, double weight for value. So I want us to make sure that whenever we have people selected by God to minister into our life, that we place honor on them. Because if we do, God rewards us. You receive a prophet, you receive the reward equivalent with a prophet. Prophet's reward. The value we put on people determines God's capacity to bless us. So it's not them, it's us.